only one small part of the universe. When NASA successfully landed another rover on Lars, Mars last week, it reminded us of the wonders and mystery of the red planet. We figure if NASA can take a shot at Mars and stick the landing, so can we. In this episode of the show, our pop culture nostalgia is out of this world as we get our asses to Mars. Blast off, this is Wayback Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham, and sitting across the universe is Preston Burt. Preston, are you ready for a super long road trip? Uh, months at a time, if we're going around the universe, I am ready to strap in, get my astronaut ice cream, mm-hmm. and just enjoy the ride. Man, I, I, when I was a kid, I loved astronaut ice cream. It was always a treat. <laughs> it was so it. crazy. Uh, you could only get it like museums or someplace, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah. Give me ice cream that costs $10 anytime <laughs> and instantly dissolves in your mouth. I, I, I always, I, I think there was some cereal that also had, had it, like maybe I sent away for it or something at some point, um, but I, I seem to recall that being a thing. How come it's always Neapolitan? Why is it never like pistachio or anything else? Uh, I don't know. I guess because they fill your they they cover their bases of flavors mm-hmm. and taste with with the three types. Someone's gotta like vanilla. Someone's gotta like chocolate, and then the weirdos can have strawberry. You know, um, <laughs> actually, later on tonight we're gonna talk about something like that. Oh, you don't, cool! But you don't like strawberry ice cream? Well, I mean, if I had to choose, that's the trashiest of the three. No. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love it, especially when there's frozen strawberries in it. That's the best, man. Ooh. Strawberries are so good. That was one of the best things when i was a kid about living in tampa was they have the strawberry festival every year for like the fair or whatever and just strawberries for days like they would have tents where you make your own strawberry shortcake and stuff like that dude if my strawberry is not artificially flavored candy (laughs) i don't i don't want a part of it hideous Um, i think i have strawberries in my fridge right now nasty keep them to yourself (laughs) well uh hopefully uh you like strawberries because that's the right (laughs) thing to do this is a strawberry (laughs) podcast (laughs) (laughs) i've got some documents here folks about how great strawberries are so um but uh to, you know tonight we're going to be talking about something else that's red <laughs> yeah there you go see look at that segue. that's perfect yeah. that's perfect uh and you know we have some footage from the the perseverance um uh landing and uh, and stuff like that but uh we're going to talk about some of the uh our favorites uh our favorite instances of mars and pop culture so um, I'm pretty excited for this show because Mars is a cool place. It is. It's It's been a constant state of wonder for, for years. And mm-hmm. uh, even in the earliest senses of media and television and stuff, they, you know, Santa Claus and the Martians. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of stuff. Um, and it's just, uh, it's persevered throughout pop culture. Yeah, there you go. Did you see, did you watch the, the landing? Uh, no, because I can't. I can't do that kind of stuff live because I get so anxious. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, and I don't think it's like trauma from Challenger, mm-hmm. but I really, I like, I just can't watch in case something goes wrong. Yeah. So the, uh, that I couldn't imagine being on that team. And then the, the seven minutes that they, they don't know what's happening or whatever, you know, oh, like you, you spend seven years getting ready for this moment and then it could just all go wrong at the last minute. And then, mm-hmm. Then what do you do? Yeah. Like I guess then you're like, well, let's start working on a different mission now at this point. But. Yeah. Uh the 
the ones I can watch live are the ones where their stakes aren't really that high. Like I've watched the um, SpaceX's rockets returning mm -hmm. to the landing pad. And those are pretty cool. Yeah. And, and that's fun to watch. And, you know, if it falls in the ocean, no big deal. I also like the ones where they, I forget, they tested like a rocket landing and mm -hmm. it didn't land just right but it still did what it's supposed to do enough to where they were it was a success mm -hmm. and so it blew up and the people were still like yeah. yes <laughs> it's like that's the best landing yeah it's just it's just a test who cares if it blows up we have millions and billions of dollars so um well um i guess i guess we could go ahead and show and talk over this so i did i did watch it live um you know when i was a kid my mom, there's not really much going on in the video, so uh, we will we'll we just talk over it. This is actually footage. Uh, this is something that NASA put together themselves. And, to uh, and to you're going to hear them talking, the basically talking through the landing, and it's going to have actual footage from, from the rover. But the when I was a kid, has confirmed that the my parachute mom has deployed, and we're seeing significant deceleration. In the velocity, our current velocity is 440 meters per second at an right. altitude of about. My mom used to always make me mark. get up and, like at at night he when there was up. like an asteroid shower or something like that, she would make me she would wake me up and bring me outside to watch the asteroid shower. And, um, you know, when we lived in Tampa, we had the Museum of Science and Industry, and we would go to it all the time, and they had, you know, all kinds of different exhibits and stuff that were really cool. But when I was a kid, man, I love space, and so like, I was like, I'm gonna do the same thing with my kids because I had them um, at the house and. Uh, they were in between Zoom calls for their school. And so I was like, hey, let's watch the Mars landing. And none of this footage was being shown then because they, they didn't have it, right? Because it takes 11 yeah, minutes for Lovely even though this data is traveling at the speed second. of light back to NASA, it takes 11 minutes for, oh, yeah. for the transit. So um, they've, they have gone in and done all this. So all you're really watching, they make it like a CG mock-up where it's like, this is what it would look like or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and then you, the main thing that you're watching is just the people and mission control and then how they're talking, how they're reacting to like, okay, well, this happened. And people go, oh, yes. And like, like you see like a guy get excited, like, yeah, my thing worked. And so <laughs> they were, my kids were not excited at all about it. And so we wound up, um, just I watched it <laughs> in the office instead of instead of with them. So. Yeah, isn't it crazy that I mean, you know, we've landed enough rovers and things on Mars that it seems a little just routine. Yeah, and so to a lot of people that novelty wears off. But I mean, this is an entire different planet that no human being has ever stepped foot on. Mm -hmm. Look at that. that the back shell has separated. It, I think we this is cool because at the, the bottom of the screen, they're actually showing like, all right, so this is the next thing that's happening that they're talking about. about. And so like they show like, Mars. okay, these are like the milestones yeah, for the landing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, I think, and like, and the, for this video quality to be this good too, like that's surprising to me because, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff. Of Mars. Before now, like the camera quality was just not not very good at all. I gotta say, uh, it's not very red. <laughs> it's more uh, more tan. Yeah, it looks like a beach. <laughs> not as advertised. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> oh, we we've been lied to by our government. 
Oh, man. So this thing here is pretty cool. So this is like, if you see the top thing, it's basically lowering the rover while it's maintaining its current altitude. It's lowering the rover down to the surface. It's like hovering. Yep. And Tango Delta, touchdown. <laughs> Everybody's so excited. Watch this guy here right in the center that's like, he's jumping like, up. No, he like brings his like fist to his mouth and he's like he's like oh man that was so good uh and this one i felt really bad for this one i did wa i watched the i didn't watch it live but i watched the reactions and right. i felt bad because you know we're in times of covid so everybody uh -huh. has to like <laughs> bump elbows a little bit and yep. you know normally they'd be hugging and mm -hmm. and and uh going crazy but there had to be a little a little more calm and collected <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh man it's it's so cool like especially since you know since you said brought up covid i think it's cool because you have a um you have a situation where for like the past year has been such like a such a tough time for everybody and to be able to have something that you know, to, at the end of a year of tough times to be able to say, man, look at what we did. Mm -hmm. Like, just like the sheer perseverance of humanity. Yeah. Being able to, like, accomplish something like that, you know? Yeah, and I know this was a NASA project and JPL is involved. But, I mean, like you said, this is this is humankind. This right. is a, a larger level of existence of look what we can do when we put all of our minds together for a single project. So, yeah, it's uplifting. Mm -hmm. Um so I give kudos to you. This is a great idea for a podcast this episode. Um, you know, we always try to theme our podcast around current pop culture and look at how we got here. Um, I don't know if our collected pop culture <laughs> nostalgia takes that we're going to offer tonight give you a, a valid roadmap to how we got to landing actual um, robots on Mars, but I think they're pretty fun. Yeah. So uh, just a quick aside, um, I thought it was pretty neat because I, I was like looking at like the origins of like little green men from Mars and that kind of thing, and it actually goes back super super a long time ago. Super a long, a time, super ago. long time ago. <laughs> that was the alternate titler for our podcast. <laughs> so, uh, 1906 was was like the first was the first time it was from uh, Kipling's Puck of Puck of Pooks Hill, uh, where they spe he specifically said uh, little green man is uh, as as a term for someone from Mars. Oh, so, okay. Uh, so you're going to maybe see some little green men tonight. Uh, and it's not probably not going to be the ones that you're thinking of because I specifically did not want to include some of them. So, <laughs> But uh, maybe, maybe you'll know this one. Mr. Quaid, try to calm down. My name is not Quaid. They stole his mind. They erased your identity and implanted a new one. Now... He wants it back. We can't let him run around. He knows too much. Get ready for the ride of your life. Please fasten your seatbelt. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Total Recall. Rated R. Starts Friday, June 1st at a theater near... Is there a cooler movie than Total Recall? <laughs> it's pretty cool. I'll tell you, it um, has stuck with me since I saw it because I have actually only seen it twice. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been quite a while. I, I I need a refresher, but I vividly remember three things uh -huh. <laughs> burned into my brain. Okay, is it, is do you know a, what the three things are? Is it a need for a third hand? <laughs> <laughs> I won't go that far, but yes, there was a, a third animat. Uh, oh wait, anatomical. And that's okay. the word I'm looking for. A third anatomical uh, <laughs> issue right there. 
So yes, the three-breasted woman mm-hmm. was uh, memory number one. Uh, memory number two is Watto, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. Guato, Guato. Uh, I, I don't. It's been a while. Since the I've guy seen it, in the chest, yes, uh-huh. right? Like he pulls open his shirt, and there's like this other guy that talks mm-hmm. gnarly stuff. And then when he gets on the surface of Mars and his eyes mm-hmm. bug out from the pressure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I remember from Total Recall. Ta-da. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, almost that's all you need to remember. <laughs> right? I mean, hey, it, it's, I'd pay to see that again. It's, it's man, it is so good. Did you ever see the remake that they did with um, uh, oh, Colin I, Farrell? I think I did, but it was yeah. so forgettable. Yeah. I, I, I like, refused to do it. Like I was still at that point where I was like one of those people that was like trying to ruin one of the perfect movies. <laughs> I, I'm not going to let you do it. So, but, um, and so it's actually based off of a, uh, a short story, uh, from Philip K. Dick, uh, called his, his titles are amazing called we, we, uh, we can remember it for you wholesale. <laughs> so, um, the the short story is only really it's only twenty two pages. Really? Yeah, and it takes place in two rooms, <laughs> and so and that's it. It's basically someone um explain like bringing up like repressed memories mm-hmm. and and um the and it was he wrote it during a time when he was going to therapy for some stuff, and so um and so I'm sure it was very personal for him to write and and you know he was probably relating a lot too to uh what was going on but it's crazy to think you know a lot of a lot of those those you know sci-fi movies that are based off of his work are all based off of short stories that he did mm-hmm. like um uh, uh, minority report yep and uh, i robot mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that so um but didn't he also do man in the high tower high castle something like that uh that's not i don't think that's a short story Oh no, that's a that's a novel yeah. for sure. The um and you know like of course Blade Runner was based off of one of his books. Right. Um, if, if Android or do Android dream of robotic sheep? So great titles. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny that you know people don't do that anymore, and like all the titles now are just two words usually or one word. So, um, but yeah, like for the movie they wound up you know having this really cool idea of someone going in and getting a fake vacation which i think is an awesome idea and i wish they could actually do this and implant the vacation into your mind and then you don't know if he's if he's living his reality or uh if they just messed up his brain when they were doing that or if they uncovered some kind of you know tucked away secret agent type of deal and so you got to watch the movie to find out but yeah so good well what what also is great about this is you know with my limited memory of the movie is that i will just say that this was peak Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah mm-hmm. right I mean he was already huge in Terminator had already done um, you know so many other things Commando and that stuff but this was 90s the movies were big they were bold they had a lot of effects mm-hmm. and uh, yeah this was this was a great Schwarzenegger example yeah the um, and you know you talked specifically about the um, eyes bulging out and stuff mm-hmm. like that and I, you get that twice in that movie. So because there's a dream where it happens, and then later in the movie it happens for real. And so you get it. You get to see the awesome, the awesome Cronenberg esque. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Body again, horror. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I love that movie. 
And it was the first thing I thought of when we thought of Mars. I thought, get your ass to Mars. And so, <laughs> so it was the first thing I, I definitely had to talk talk about tonight. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I, I can't say I'm sharing it with anybody because I'm sure everybody has seen that movie. But yep. if you've only seen the Colin Farrell movie, you're doing yourself a disservice. And you need to, to get out there and correct that immediately. So. Well, as crowd-pleasing as Brian's pick was, mine is a little more obscure and probably not quite as pleasing. I think a quote from the first episode of the show uh, summarizes all you need to know about Biker Mice from Mars. And it is, in this wild and woolly universe of ours, there's only three things you can count on. Your brains, your bros, and your bite. <laughs> I, I think that holds true <laughs> regardless. Yeah, this is the, the towel of Biker Mice from Mars. Uh, so... Interestingly enough, even though this is a pop culture milestone, this is one that I totally missed. Mm. I, you know, a lot of times for these shows, I kind of look for things that are a little under the radar that aren't quite so on the nose as Total Recall, Mm -hmm. which is great. It's a cultural touchstone for Mm -hmm. sure. But I do like to find things that are a little off the beaten path. And for me, Biker Mice from Mars, Biker Mice from Mars hit at a time where I had stopped watching a whole lot of cartoons it aired in um, 1993. Mm-hmm. It ran for three seasons through 1996, 65 episodes. You know, so I was 13. I really wasn't watching a whole lot of Saturday morning cartoons. Like, I was aware of stuff. Um, more things that I watched were after school in the afternoon, like X-Men the Animated Series or something mm-hmm. like that. But I didn't see a whole lot of Biker Mesh from Mars. And maybe it was just something that I was I, – I drew the unlucky straw with my um, local affiliates or something. Right. But I, I, I vaguely recall that it existed enough for me to go looking for more information about it. But I didn't grow up watching it. Did you? Uh, so I didn't grow up watching it, but I definitely watched episodes because. Um, so at that point, you know, I was we had like a, a satellite dish, and so um, it was a pain. It was before like satellite dishes nowadays, mm-hmm. where it's just basically cable. Like you, we had to dial and we you oh, dialed yeah, you had to it actually in. rotate yeah, uh-huh. the, the satellite dish. And, wow. And, and so, um, typically, like if you were like watching something, you would just leave it on <laughs> that, that network or whatever. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't go around changing it all the time. And so, um, so I, I definitely remember watching it. And um, but I think I, re- I remembered like there was a pretty good toy line for that, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a toy line for that. They had a comic book, very short run. It was mm-hmm. three issues. And then most surprisingly, they had a uh, Super Nintendo game mm-hmm. that I hadn't seen or played 
until I looked up research for this episode. It looks like a really fun racing game. It looks really cool. I would like to check it out. Except it's the the cartridge alone sells for like fifty bucks or something. Wow. It's, I guess it's a rare one, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of the show, it's three surviving anthropomorphic mice whose entire race was wiped out by these creatures called Plutarchians from Mars. Well, these guys were the only ones left after they killed their race. They were getting away from the bad guys. They crash landed on Earth and they find themselves in familiar trouble in the city of Chicago, which is being pilfered for its resources by, guess what? Plutarchians. (laughs) So uh, three main characters, the three biker mice are Throttle, Moto, and Vinny. And got some familiar voice actors here. You got Rob Paulson did the voice of Throttle. Dorian Harewood did the voice of Moto. And Vinny was voiced by Ian Ziering of 90210 fame. So if you don't remember it very well, it might be because it got lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there were a lot of properties like this at mm-hmm. the time. You had like Cowboys at Mood Mesa. You had Toxic Crusaders. You had Street Sharks. I think that we're all trying to be like Teenage Mutant Ninja right. Turtles, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, going back to Rob Paulson, yeah. what else has he done? Anything? Like, because, because, so I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I know that name for sure. Okay. But the problem is, all I can think about is Fight Club, because isn't that like his name was Robert Paulson? <laughs> so like that's all that's 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 in my head. Yes, uh, Rob Paulson has done quite a bit, and I'm very disappointed that you don't recognize that name more fully because he voiced your favorite character, okay, Raphael okay. of Ninja Turtles, okay. and then uh, <laughs> Animaniacs, all, all that stuff. Yeah, he's been quite busy. Do you think that that um, uh, not David Fincher, um. Gosh, who wrote who wrote the book? Uh, uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Do you think that he was a big fan of Robert Paulson, and that's why he <laughs> that's why he put his name in? in... Uh, maybe he's a huge Biker Meister Mars fan. Maybe you know, <laughs> a lot of people think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they hear his name, but you know, most people, maybe some people are thinking Biker Meister Mars. Yeah. Um. So, it's kind of interesting. One of my later picks that we'll talk about. It's when it's touching on a zeitgeist and this one obviously we mentioned is like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but earlier in cartoon history you had kind of the same fervor for a similar type of thing you know Thundercats hit big Mm -hmm. and so then you had like Tiger Sharks and you had uh, uh, Silverhawks and like where you just take one animal and another thing you pair it together and and magic happens or you try to get magic to happen and this one is like some sort of mutated animal. Mm-hmm. And then it helps if there's a little bit of a hook. And in this case, instead of being a ninjas, they have motorcycles. Yeah, they're bikers. And uh, then also around that time, you have the environmentally friendly message. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these resources and buildings and the yeah. environment. Yeah, Chicago, all, all the resources. Yeah, really random. I don't know why they picked Chicago <laughs> out of the blue. But uh, yeah really cool and I've watched a few episodes because you can get it um, they're currently on YouTube Mm. so I I think that speaks to its popularity (laughs) is if you can find full episodes streaming in their entirety on YouTube you know it's maybe bound for the bargain (laughs) racks of the DVD aisle well you know I think one of the things too that that the setting for that allowed was 
um, with them being bikers, it was easy for them to have attitude. And that was like the perfect time period for like everything had to have attitude, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, you get these rough and gruff, like teenage biker guys and stuff like that. And so it's, it's perfect. Yeah. One other little bit of trivia is, like I said, one of the three main characters is voiced by uh, Ian Ziering of 90210. Mm-hmm. Well, he must have called in his friend for favors because almost every single main member of that cast appeared on at least one episode so throughout the run of the 65 episodes you can hear at some point uh jason Priestley, luke perry brian austin green tori spelling and jenny garth that's crazy and then interestingly we already had the just the general um familiarity with teenage mutant Ninja turtles mm-hmm. rob paulson voiced Raphael, mm-hmm. and then uh, Mo- the character moto was voiced by dorian harewood well, I didn't recognize his name, but for four episodes, I guess, I guess Uncle Phil was sick because he voiced Shredder huh. on Ninja Turtles for four episodes, and he's been in a lot of other stuff, a lot of great voice acting work. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just thought those crossovers were cool. That's crazy. That is that is neat. That, like that has to be like, hey, I know a guy. Like yeah, you know? and so oh, okay, that, that's cool. We'll get him to come down and do it for us. Yeah, so. or like uh, they rap on. 902 and 0 one day like hey what are you doing tomorrow mm-hmm. not much oh you want to come down and record <laughs> in the studio for a, a, a day sure yeah, make make some make some quick cash and then you know maybe you like uh, voice acting and you yeah. can spin off your whole career last thing I'll say about this and then we can go to your next topic is oddly enough this is a Marvel production the cartoon was yes that's crazy uh, and they produced like I said the comic book but mm-hmm. it, it says a Marvel production so I'm just saying, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was a little obscure. Yeah. Maybe the next big Marvel Cinematic Universe, the inspiration is right in front of us. Biker Mars from Mars. Or you could just add them to my my Tron Alien Star Wars thing and throw in the Biker Mice also there. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> they could ride light cycles. That'd be dope. <laughs> so, well, the uh, I, I like Biker Mice from Mars. I'm excited for that. But... I am super excited for my next uh, my next pick. So check it. And I say to you, my brothers and sisters, hell is a deep, dark, foul-smelling prison of the damned. Hell with fire and brimstone, lost souls and demons. And how do you escape this eternal damnation? You blast the nasty demons right for the 64-bit Jaguar, the best Doom ever. It was tough for me to pick what I wanted to. I, I know I show a lot of Jaguar commercials on this show, but they had like some of the best commercials because they they're full of attitude. Um, but man, I love Doom. I love Doom way more than I love Total Recall. <laughs> Did you play Doom uh, on on computer or, or I guess anything? I mean, I have played Doom, uh-huh. but I was not a regular to Doom. So, dude, I love Doom so much. Um, you know, I played Wolfenstein a little bit, and it would have been when I was in fifth grade. You're maybe? such a dork. You're wearing the shirt. <laughs> I know that's what I was doing. <laughs> I just noticed that. What a goober. But um. I played Wolfenstein in like fifth grade. So like when I was like 11, right. And then man, when 
in sixth grade, I think it was, I really got into Doom. I got in, I would get um, pro, like uh, the level creator books and stuff like that. And so they would always come with like a disc in the back to download some level editing software uh, or install some level editing software to your computer. And then I would make my own levels, downloading people, other people's levels, people's wads uh, is what the level See, you're files schooling me. I didn't know you could do all that oh, stuff. Dude. I thought it was just a set playthrough so they had that and actually so doom was awesome because it was you know you never hear anybody call anything shareware nowadays because now we just have demos and stuff but doom was spread around with people via shareware right and so it was like the first the first i guess map or like not the first level but like the first couple levels and if you wanted to play past that you had to pay for it to unlock it right Mm -hmm. and um Man, it went around like crazy. Everyone, everyone that I knew was playing it. Uh, that played PC games at the time, and you know, it, it was fun because we we didn't really use mice to play those games back then. You just used the arrow keys, spacebar, and and you know stuff like that. Uh, left shift to run real fast and stuff. But um, uh, you didn't get. I think it was two was when it's added mouse support or whatever, so that you could aim up and down because it just automatically did that. But anyways. Um, yeah, man, you could do that. You could download other people's stuff. I think it was a Doom Two wad because wad are the, like the file types for that stuff. But there was a Doom Two wad that someone took and they made aliens. They took all the sound clips from the Aliens movie and like um made like all new graphics and everything, all new all new sprites and put it in. Uh, and then like you know you would have like you'd be walking around a corner and you would hear like like the Sarge be like, check, check those corners, check those corners. And like, you would hear like a pwn scream and stuff. It was really cool. That's but, cool. Yeah. Doom was dope. Okay. Now I know this is an idiotic question, mm-hmm. but for me, since I'm not too familiar with doom, how does it work into our Mars theme? All right. Well, so doom takes place on Mars. Okay. So, uh, you I, ate, you're oh. shooting aliens, right? No, you're shooting demons. Oh, okay. It is, well, it is. See, that's why I was confused. <laughs> so basically what happens is, um, we make it to Mars, right? And there's scientists up there and they uncover this weird artifact. And like, as they're uncovering it, they open up a portal to hell. And depending on what doom game you're playing, the story changes a little bit, but for most of them, the beginning of the story always starts on Mars. And, uh, and so, um, the second one usually, uh, will take place on earth, you know, like it's basically after that, you're just in hell. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you're, you're on Mars, you're working for UAC, which is, um, I can't remember what they're called, the Union Aerospace Corporation and you're doom guy. He didn't, he was just some faceless space Marine and, uh, in the original game and, and, they did a really cool thing with the game that came out in 2016, I think it was, um, where like they're really like feeding into like the absurdity of it all. And there's like this like <laughs> there's this part where you're actually this like the Doom guy is this timeless savior that that battles the 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 hordes of hell. And like there's this like clip of like where you see these people like worshiping at your altar and stuff like that. But uh, in the original game, you there was no real backstory to it or anything like that. You're just mowing down tons and tons of demons so that's awesome yeah it was so good um what when did the when did it come out uh hmm i don't early 90s? Oh, 93 yeah okay. so um it, it came out in 1993 and it's uh, sold over 10 million copies um have been sold in the series so and you know 
Wolfenstein really was it it really opened up the door for first person gameplay with Wolfenstein but Doom added a whole nother level of complexity with like the way you could build a stage like you could have like levels going up and down and like where the the maps that you were creating where you could layer them on top of each other um that wasn't available like that in Wolfenstein and so um people took that like what they did and they just ran with it and there was tons of like clone games i mean checks even had their own style game styled like this that they packed in with cereal yeah yeah checks mix like the (laughs) cereal yeah um and so like it was such a it was such a cultural touchstone that for game for game development that like people were blown away by it and it just it opened up the door for basically every game that you see today because there wasn't there wasn't any real like first person games at all back then and so it just changed game development oh yeah this is a this is a paradigm shift for sure Mm -hmm. i mean we had first person shooters with like operation wolf and stuff in the arcade Uh um and then revolution x and things as they progress but as far as just like the 3d environment the flexibility Mm -hmm. allowed with with doom was really a paradigm shift it was really cool yeah yeah so um, what doom are they on now like doom 3000 no they they rebooted the series in 16 and um so the last doom that came out last year doom eternal was part two of that of that trilogy we'll see if they wind up finishing it because that's the studio that is making um oh no never mind that's wolfenstein i was gonna say the studio that's making the new indiana jones game is, is working on it i think that but they're working on something that studio that makes the doom games mm-hmm. they were they're working on some other project right now and so they have to finish it like i don't know the people demand it yeah you have to have uh you know something crazy going on so it's only a trilogy if you have three <laughs> yeah so uh but you know part when part i remember when part three came out that the gameplay shifted so much from two to three originally because three became more of a horror game um you could only have your flashlight out it was really dark that like the lighting was a big focus for that game and you ha- you could only have your light out but not not both your gun and your light and it was really a, just a technical issue that they had with that engine and but everyone was like oh yeah they're just trying to make a horror game like so where you you can't if you can't see when you have your gun out so you have to like choose what you're going to do um but people have gone back and modded it to where you could do both and it's not as good so doom 3 wasn't that great so hopefully this new doom 3 will do do wonders so well i can always count on you for a great video game pick and you <laughs> well, did yourself well uh I, I'm glad that the Doom guy was able to change video games uh, by, you know, on his mission to Mars that he took. Uh, so ho- hopefully, Awful. hopefully you're able to do the same. Awful. This is a truly anomalous formation. It's unlike anything that we've seen so far. We're trying not to go too nuts up here, but we think there's a good chance that this could be water. Of course, if that's correct, then we may have found the key to permanent human colonization. Yes. Okay, we're ready to light this candle. Let's go to Mars. What the hell is that? 
No idea, boss. of life on earth did they find it preston they did spoiler alert they do go to mars <laughs> all right so this is from the forgettable 2000 film mission to mars and i'm not bringing this up because i'm claiming it's a a timeless classic uh-huh. or even to use our word that we've used so far a cultural touchstone it is far from that but it did deserve a little better fate than it got. <laughs> and I would like to refresh people's memories about Mission to Mars. Do you remember Mission to Mars? Did you ever watch Mission to Mars? You know, I never watched it. I uh, don't I, I don't blame you. And uh, I love that cast. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It had a lot going for it. It came out uh, in March of 2000. Mm. So I was debating on whether I should talk about this or not because we usually, usually we talk about you know, 80s and 90s nostalgia. Mm -hmm. But I figure this Joker is literally, what, two weeks away from being 21 years old, mm. old enough to drink on its own. <laughs> I think it's old enough to talk about Mission to Mars. Um, it's a little forgettable because it's another one of those scenarios where you get confused about the movie because two movies that were so similar came out at the same time. Mm -hmm. This same year, you had another Mars movie called Red Planet with Val Kilmer. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that one? Not really. I don't know. It's so weird because like I, so in 2000, uh, you know, I had just moved States by myself. Like it was like, I had, I'd been living on my own for a while, but I had like left the state to go live on my own in a different state. Uh, and so, um, who knows what I was getting up to at that point? Yeah. You, you mean, uh, B-level cinematic movies were not your priority there. You know, I was going like I was managing a store in a mall, so I know I went to that movie theater all the time. Yeah. I just I don't know. It's a, probably a little more near and dear to my heart because I actually worked in the movie theater mm -hmm. at this time. I cut this movie together, I spliced the reels, I showed it dozens of times. So I, I've seen this movie more than most people probably have, but not in its entirety. Like mm -hmm. I think when I rewatched it earlier this week, it's probably the only the second time I ever saw it in its full entirety. Mm. Um, but yeah. All right. So rundown of this movie. He, here's the summary. I stole this from IMDb. When the first manned mission to Mars meets with a catastrophic and mysterious disaster after reporting an unidentified structure, a rescue mission is launched to investigate the tragedy and bring back any survivors. So the movie takes place in 2020, which uh, gives you a little bit uh, of the time frame. It's pretty you know pretty tame in its expectations for what the future holds as mm -hmm. far as like space travel and things like that mm -hmm. um but it's got an all-star cast okay so you got um gary sinise tim robbins don Cheadle, jerry o'connell and this movie is directed by brian de palma man all right brian de palma scarface carlito's way mm -hmm. uh what else did he do he did tons, tons of, stuff. of stuff yeah tons of stuff all right so and i think this ended up being his last <laughs> man <laughs> his last theatric like major studio release mm -hmm. ever and this movie didn't tank necessarily it just didn't do as well as expected but anyway uh i'll try not to ruin it for anybody although this is a 21 year old movie so um 
Don Cheadle and his crew go to Mars. They uh, start getting some sort of odd reading about metal underneath the surface. And they go and investigate it with like their radar gun, which doesn't make sense. But anyway, they go scan it. Well, that pisses whatever that mm. thing is off. That was and, its home. And uh, of the four astronauts, three get killed. One spectacularly who uh, gets sucked into a a sand vortex mm-hmm. and is spun around so fast he centrifuges mm. himself apart Whoa. and just explodes. It's epic. <laughs> and then uh, Don Cheadle survives, but you kind of don't know that yet. Um, and they have to send a rescue mission that involves uh, those three other actors plus uh, a female lead whose name I regrettably forget. But um, it's it's got a lot going for it. Mm. I think it deserves a stronger fate than what it was relegated to. It got $22 million and debuted at number one in the box office, but was quickly unseated the second um, week by Aaron Brockovich, just to give you a time frame, huh. like comparison. So um, I, I also just thought this was a, a neat movie because it was like visual – it had a lot of really cool special effects that were practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did a lot of like floating and levitating with just camera movements. And they've got this centrifuge thing that, that rotates. And from what I read, I don't know if it's still there, but from what I read, a lot of this set is still accessible via the um, Mars rover. No, via, <laughs> via uh, Epcot. Okay. It's on the mission, um, mm. mission earth or yes. Spaceship, spaceship, earth. spaceship earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh it, yeah. Okay. It's like a yeah. a tube and it's yeah. rotating. Yeah. So yeah, so um, they did the same thing that like they did for the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, like the scene where Tina's being drug up the wall and across yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. They built that practical. Um, now the downside is uh, for gravity to work that way, that sh- that would have been rotating way faster than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they they did you do that in a lot of scenes in that movie. Like there cuz since they went ahead and built this thing, the set that that people could walk on while they're rotating it, you know, they did like a lot of stuff for like a, a lot of cool shots of like the camera coming down and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. uh so I know it's a space movie, so there's automatically going to be some similarities, but I think if you look back at this movie or if you ever watch it at the first time, if you're watching it for the first time, if you're able to identify other movies that pull this off mm. better, like, or have different elements that are in this movie. So I feel like mission to Mars is a slightly inferior version of these three movies combined. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Pitch black. No. <laughs> so like gravity. That's okay. the one I was going to think of mm-hmm. with Sandra Bullock. I love that movie where there's like a disaster in space and mm-hmm. you got to figure it out. So you got the disaster element. Then you've got the, um, I hope this isn't spoiling a lot of things, but you got like the existential quandary of the nature of your place in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not being the only one there of annihilation. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That movie was like kind of eerie, unsettling but it's very good really really cool on a philosophical level and then um the book and movie the martian okay very where good there's a well. on planet disaster and a survival tale mm-hmm. you pair all those three together and you get mission to mars but again it was made 21 years ago so it had some technological limitations and and things like that but it deserves a second look 
Um, and also, it's a cool place in history because it's another one of those movies that came out the same time as another similar movie. Mm-hmm. Like when you had Deep Impact and Armageddon mm-hmm. and A Bug's Life and Ants or Volcano and Dante's Peak. Mm-hmm. This one was Red Planet uh, or Mission to Mars. I like Mission to Mars. Uh do you do you think that they plan that stuff like one studio hears that this other ty- this type of movie is being made and so they're like well we're gonna make a movie like that too uh, probably yeah or we gotta beat them to market yeah because there has to be so many scripts floating around that mm-hmm. are like well we could just make this on on a different planet or yeah whatever so yeah i think there's a lot of that going on um and you, sometimes you roll the dice and sometimes you win I think in that case, both both parties lost. Yeah. So. <laughs> Craps. <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, Mars Mars is a really cool place, and it's undoubtedly a awesome canvas for people to paint vivid stories on. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think uh, this Mars uh, also does a great job uh, at that as well. So. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with studying. I just got to know how to pick the subject. If it's cool and it rules Those musketeers, three musketeers They ain't nobody's fool Yeah, that's something on chocolate Chocolate out to here The library is officially closed It's hard to keep them under wraps Those three musketeers yeah. And we are open for business I'm confused. <laughs> well, uh, someone uh, someone in chat earlier said it perfectly. Makes me want a Mars bar. So the Mars Candy Company makes Three Musketeers the best candy bar out on the market. <laughs> so, uh, what else does Mars make? Obviously, the Mars bar. The Mars bar. M and M's, right? Oh yeah, they're Mars M and M's. Yeah, they they like absorbed another company, so mm-hmm. they have a lot. Do you remember? I think I might have. I don't think I ever experienced it, but do you remember the originally Three Musketeers were three candy bars, and that's why they were called Three Musketeers? Well, I don't remember that, but I was going to talk about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, well, we were talking about that earlier when uh, we were talking about the Neapolitan <gasps> space ice cream. That's right. Yeah. So, um, I didn't know. I don't remember that at all. Do you remember that? I want to say I, I, like, I don't remember them being packaged together, but I remember at one point you could get a different flavored Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So originally it had three pieces in one package, so I would assume it was like mounds or you know like like um, what's the, the coconut one? Uh, almond Joy. Oh, almond Joy. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. But um, so they came in three different uh three different pieces in one package. One was chocolate, one was strawberry, and one was vanilla, and that's why they were called the Three Musketeers. Um, and then the yeah the rising cost and wartime restrictions on sugar saw that they phased out vanilla and strawberry pieces because chocolate was the most popular one. So I I think I've had the vanilla kind. Like, yeah, I think they brought back the vanilla kind before, but. Was is is Three Musketeers your intro to nougat? Probably, although I loved Zero candy bars, mm-hmm. and Zero had nougat too. But Three Musketeers is the only nougat candy bar, wherein I will eat the chocolate mm-hmm. off of mm-hmm. the outside and just have the nougat, <laughs> and, it, and recognizably so. It is quite disturbing to see this <laughs> this gnawed on little soft 
candy, uh, it grosses my wife out to know it. <laughs> uh, Three Musketeers was like one of my favorite things for Halloween. Like I was always super excited to get Three Musketeers bars. And it's funny too. So that commercial, um, you know, I, I was joking about, uh, you know, the, the canvas that Mars has, uh-huh. but really, man, that commercial is a series of commercials where you follow those three guys. Oh, really? Yeah, they had they had tons of them. And it was like 1990 was that one. And then 91, they had a different step in their story. So, like, they drove off there. And then in 1991, they're like, hey, man, you don't have enough gas in this car. And he's like, oh, don't I? And he's <laughs> he's driving down the road eating. And they're like, they run out of gas. They're like, now what are we going to do? And he's like, I guess you're going to push. And he keeps eating three Musketeer bars. Eventually, they go to a nightclub. And, like, they do all this, like, crazy stuff. I don't- <laughs> I, I'm stupefied. Like, for is it the same actors? Even? Yeah. Uh huh. What? Yeah. So I I thought it'd be cool. Like I I I was thinking maybe I should download multiple of these, but then I was like I don't want to make people watch like three minutes of Musketeers commercials. <laughs> this is the Musketeers <laughs> podcast. But I also think it's interesting that the advertising for these three Musketeer bars, how in the '90s or I guess mid '90s, they like totally shifted marketing. Um, and they, they went away from like these three cool guys doing fun things and eating three musketeers bars all the time. And the, the one, if you watch the end of that commercial, he like, there's one guy that threw it up and ate it. He did that in every single commercial. He would always do it. That was his thing. Um, but yeah. So in, um, and uh, they changed it a couple different times. Uh, in 1998, they started doing like these, these, um, like CG three musketeers, uh, guys in the earlier eighties, uh, there was um, people dressed up as the Three Musketeers, but uh, at one point they I, like the commercial I was originally going to choose was one that I remember vividly, where it was these ladies in an office setting, and one of them's like, "Come here, check this out," and she opens up a, uh, a drawer in someone's office, and Three Musketeer bars come floating out. I've and, seen that one, and I was like, "That was all, like that was the one that I was going to pick," but then yeah, I that was like the dream those. of just yeah. like all those candies <laughs> coming out. Uh, and so they had shifted away from just being you know big on taste to to being like a, the less fat ch- chocolate bar and so they they were like big on chocolate not on fat I remember and so that too. yeah they they just totally shifted the way they, they marketed it and i i guess that it worked because they i think they still marketed it that same way yeah the low fat craze mm-hmm. really hit everything yeah. back in the 90s and, and a lot of things shifted all right so i did some of your homework for you just okay. now uh the mars corporation they are now Mars Wrigley, which br- mm-hmm. refreshes my memory because we drive by the Wrigley yes. plant, and now there's a sign that says Mars. So oh. they've, they've absorbed Wrigley's. Here are some of their original products. I, I will not read all of them. Uh, here are the ones that you would recognize. Three Musketeers, Bounty. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I'm That's thinking a candy of the, bar. I was thinking of the... Yeah, you don't see that quicker anymore. Quicker picker upper. Combos. Mm, I love combos. Uh, let's see. Kudos. Mm-hmm. The The... the I loved how they branded kudos to where people thought they were like a healthy snack. And it was just like a candy bar. <laughs> I loved kudos though. Oh my gosh. They're so good. Uh, M&M's, Maltesers, uh, Mars candy bar, Milky Way, mm-hmm. Munch. I love Munch. Munch is the uh, peanut candy bar and like toffee kind of. I don't remember that. They're really, they're really good. Uh, they'll break your teeth off, but they're good. Snickers mm-hmm. and Twix are those are the are from the candy bars mm-hmm. that you would recognize they do have a lot more but those are the ones you recognize so yeah mars is kicking out some classics is there one on there called called milkshake man when i no. was when i was a kid there was this um it was like a cvs or something that we went to and i don't know why we went there but we would go 
I'd go there quite frequently for some reason. And, um, but man, uh, oh, it was to get medicine. <laughs> but uh, I, there was this magazine I would get, and I'd always get this candy bar that was a milkshake candy bar. So if anybody remembers milkshake candy bars, I've never seen them anywhere else. That was the best mil- – that was actually the best candy bar. And then after that, Yeah, Three forget Musketeers. Three Musketeers that we're talking about <laughs> on this episode of the show. Let me tell you about that for 20 minutes and then talk about they're actually the best candy bar. It was, it was, that you can't get or nobody knows of. It was very similar. Hey, if you if you know it, let me know because, man, if they still make that, I would, I would buy a ton of it. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, man, I, I threw you a loop, <laughs> I threw you a loop because I was trying to think, you know, I didn't want to do like three movies or I was like, maybe you should do a song. And I was like, nah, cause I don't feel like having to do the whole thing on YouTube with the song. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that'll be perfect. So, well, I've got one final, uh, selection for you and it may be an obvious one on the surface, but it's not where I'm going, but it's a familiar character you'll all love. The Earth will be gone in just a few seconds. Oh, well, uh, don't bother, then. No point in wasting money on a flying saucer when the Earth's not gonna... Uh, pardon me again, Doc, but uh, just what did you mean by that crack about the Earth being gone? Oh, uh, I'm going to blow it up. It obstructs my view of Venus. It does? That's a shame. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. The Illudium Pu-36 explosive space modulator. That creature has stolen the space modulator. And that, my friends, (laughs) is the inimitable Marvin the Martian. You knew he had to show up on an episode of Pop Culture Classics from talking about Mars. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm surprised you didn't take him uh, as your pick early on. I thought about doing it for for John because I know that that he would love for for him to be on here. So all right, so I'm going to talk about Marvin the Martian, but I'm not going to go and just the route you probably think I'm going to go to because it's going to lead us somewhere else. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, Marvin the Martian, he has such pop culture ubiquity, mm-hmm. but he was actually only in five theatrical cartoons. Okay, um, that were you know the bugs bunny classics mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. so you had hair devil hair his first appearance in 1948 where bugs lands on the moon and which is interesting to me because you know it's marvin the martian right. and his first exposure is actually on the moon which uh is is new and then in 52 there was the hasty hair and then probably the most familiar one came out in 53 mm-hmm. 53 i mean like I didn't realize that they were that old. They're that old. But they still hold up. Uh, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. Mm-hmm. And then you got Hairway to the Stars in 1958 and Mad as a Mars Hare in 1963. So those were the five main ones that established Marvin the Martian. Um, you also had his little dog. I forget what the dog's name too. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, and then really nothing until the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner movie in 1979. I love that movie. And here's what's interesting about that one. That's I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. But 1979, that appearance, that was the first time he was actually named Marvin. Oh, really? His name was never introduced huh. prior to that movie. So he was just a Martian character. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so nameless until 79, even though he'd been in existence for 
30 entire years. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder what made them bring him back. Because, you know, it had to be somebody, like, when they were writing that movie, there was somebody that was, like, a fan of Mar- – I'm going to say a fan of Duck Dodgers. Uh-huh. And, and was like, hey, we should we should, have Mar- we should have that guy. Who? Marvin. Marvin? Who are you talking about? No, I'm telling you, Marvin the Martian right here. Here's another little bit of history. Uh, is that Marvin the Martian? You know, obviously, Marvin was voiced by um, Looney Tunes great Mel Blanc, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But, you know, even though characters have progressed over time with different voice actors, Marvin the Martian, maybe because his voice is kind of easy to do, he has so many people that have portrayed him. Mm-hmm. So you got Mel Blank, Rob Sherwood, Joe Alasky, Rob Paulson. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in Tasmania, he portrayed him. Mm. Uh, Neil Ross, Maurice LaMarche, uh, you know, from Animaniacs as mm-hmm. well. Greg Burst, Greg Burson, Keith Scott, Bob Bergen, who portrayed him in Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Eric Goldberg, Harry Shearer of The Simpsons has done him. Uh, maybe on The Simpsons, actually. Mm-hmm. Je- Jeff Bergman, Samuel Vincent, Billy West. Hmm. You know, he's a famous voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Arnold Taylor, Eric Baza, Damon Jones, and now Kevin Snick. So there, there's somebody that you forgot though. Who's that? Preston Burt. Let's hear it. No, <laughs> the space modulator. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Is that Wikipedia? Add it. Yeah, boom. <laughs> Way back attack. Preston Burt. Uh, anyway, so I thought that was pretty interesting, and we we started the show talking about Mars uh, rover named what was it? Perseverance. Perseverance. Mm-hmm. There was another Mars rover mission for spirit Mm -hmm. in 2004 and not actually on the rover itself but on the mission badge that nasa had or jpl had Mm -hmm. marvin the martian made the mission badge that's awesome so well anyway i do you have any special memories about marvin the martian before i go off on this little tangent you know, um, I like the way he walks, like his like fast little feet. Mm-hmm. He reminds me, um, like when my dog does that, and so like like my my old dog, she does that, and so I've always liked that. Um, but outside that, you know, I guess because I was trying to think, where's all these places that all these people have voiced them voiced him? But I guess he would show up in like Tiny Toons sometimes and, and stuff like that, you know. So I guess that's that's crazy. So many people have voiced him. That blows my mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I've never, you know, Duck Dodgers is probably like the best thing that has had Marvin the Martian. I guess Space Jam. People really like that. Mm-hmm. He must be in the pinball machine, I bet. I, you know, I have to look, but I bet he is. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Well, I, the reason I wanted to bring him up was not necessarily just to talk about Marvin the Martian, but it was an, a chance to talk about the Looney Tunes um apparel craze <laughs> yeah. of the early 90s mm-hmm. and we have some pictures of some of the ones that you have that you bought right i did not buy <laughs> these no anyway uh i i remembered it i lived through it I, I didn't personally wear much of this stuff but it's an interesting look at culture mm-hmm. um that i read starting with um an article on gq that kind of gives you a little bit more of the history of how this started and the whole streetwear imagery of the Tasmanian devil in a gold chain, Wiley mm-hmm. Coyote in a mink, Marvin the Martian bandana, it can be traced back to uh, one group, a shop in Queens. Check out this 
this picture here. So Queens-based design crew, the Mighty Shirt Kings, tied the characters to the hip-hop community forever by blending New York-style graffiti with those cartoon characters, so iconic. And those would be seen, um, uh, you know, people who would come to Queens would would see that and see that urban life. Mm -hmm. And it got adopted by famous people and famous rappers and things like that. And then people would come visit New York and they'd take it back with them. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of got ubiquity within the hip hop community, but it all started with like traditional street art paired onto clothing by these guys called um, the shirt, Mighty Shirt Kings. Now, for anybody that can't see what, what we're showing, think of in your dirt mall, the airbrush t-shirt uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, store. And, and that's basically what, what it is. It's, it is a Bugs Bunny with a crown and bat and a gold chain with a Y. And it says, yeah, yo behind him. <laughs> um, and he's wearing like a, a King. He's dressed as a King with some, uh, some air Jordans on. Yep. So um, this is going probably, Hang on, don't show this one yet. This one is the pictures may be a little bit out of order, but I can you, do them in any order. No, that's fine. The um, the uh, the popularity of the characters, like I said, spread through the hip hop community and then into over other cultures too. Mm-hmm. And one of the most popular characters was, of course, Bugs Bunny, and he had the uh, yeah. So this this is one of the most familiar images, and this mm-hmm. is a bootleg image. Mm-hmm. So the the first one I showed you, uh, the Street Kings, that was just bootleg stuff, right. mm-hmm. artistry. Well, right now, if you're not looking, uh, I'm showing you something you could probably picture in your mind because this was everywhere, <laughs> and it's the Tasmanian Devil, and Bugs Bunny wearing a backwards cap, wearing backwards pants and backwards shirts, just like crisscross. Yeah, they're crisscross, looking like they have, B- they have crisscrosses hair too. Yeah, looking like B boys. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody had at least one school, one kid in their school that was wearing this this shirt, or you could spot it in the mall. It's very ubiquitous. But these things that spread naturally from the hip hop community, mm-hmm. I think, are what inspired the ability for there to be the Warner Brothers store. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Warner Brothers Studio store, which started licensing officially these characters. Um, on all kinds of things. So also something on here, I don't know if they talked about it in the article, but the same type of thing happened with Bart Simpson. And you had you had these uh, places, I think it was in New York also, like in the different boroughs, and they started doing um, like knockoff Bart Simpson shirts and stuff. And that stuff's actually super collectible. Oh yeah, and, no doubt. And like, um, and like, it's like you said, like they would take Bart Simpson and, and like, like, you know, make him make them fit in with like the street culture and like that that whole craze like really blew up the the simpsons uh in a way with with people that were into into the street culture and the the look of that and everything like that so but what happened early on after these original ones is that one character stood out Mm -hmm. and that was marvin the martian and so as the popularity of the culture went and grew and they got to be more professionally produced and licensed, you started seeing a lot more of Marvin the Martian. Um, I found this one on eBay. This is a real shirt, and there's multiple copies of this selling for between $200 and $300 for this one shirt. That's crazy. Uh-huh. And uh, and then there's another shirt that's reversible. So you see there's um, the uh, Marvin the Martian on the inside, 
or the outside. And if you like it enough, you can swap over and do Tasmanian Devil if you want a little flavor. But Marvin the Martian seemed to carry a lot more weight within the community mm. and started being a, a, associated with, with hip hop and with street culture and with basketball. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm showing a shirt right now of Marvin the Martian dunking a basketball in space. And I, I'm going to go on a limb and say, I mean, obviously it makes sense. Marvin the Martian is tied somehow to Space Jam. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure that this apparel and the ubiquity of the streetwear and Marvin Martian's popularity among the hip hop community mm -hmm. and the basketball community is what led to both uh, the Warner Brothers Studio Store right. having eventually 130 locations at its peak running from 1991 to 2005 and also to bring in us 1996's Space Jam. And 2022's Space Jam. There you go. Or is it coming out this year? Yeah. So, so uh, it's a fascinating case study on um, apparel and on pop culture mm -hmm. and Marvin the Martian and uh, I, there's some other articles out there you can read but like I said there's a GQ article called Lord Forgive Me The Life of Urban Looney Tunes that you should check out and you can see some of these pictures on that article as well well I think Marvin the Martian is the only appropriate anchor to our episode about Mars Yeah, and uh, I mean look we talked about cartoons fashion movies video games mm -hmm. food mm -hmm. I think we covered all five of the major major food groups here for pop culture nostalgia yeah i'm pretty happy that uh i feel like mars got its due you know <laughs> so so that's it's nice to uh to know that um hey it's taken one of ours perseverance and it's given back in return there we go there we to go. you hey so. and thanks for persevering through this episode <laughs> of the show um my name is preston you can find me on twitter at squared stiff Brian, where can they find you? Uh, I am at B.E. Grantham. You can find the show at Wayback underscore Attack. Um, and you can email the show at WaybackAttackShow uh, at gmail.com. Oh, and hey, we are also on Patreon. We're mm -hmm. actually going to be recording a bonus episode immediately after this show. So if you're not a, a member of the Patreon, join up and you can have special bonus episodes just for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about some tangential stuff related mm -hmm. to space in the next one and what we've been up to lately so stick around uh, and become a member if you are not already and thank you to those of you who are uh, but regardless for listening to the show at all we certainly do appreciate it yes and you know there are other things also other than uh, just the bonus show um, there there's other you get access to the discord and, and stuff like that so make sure you uh, check it out um, and I guess we will see you next time. See ya.